Welcome to Chase Your Dream, a podcast that believes that all dreams can come true if you have the courage to pursue them. Each week we deliver the stories of a common person being successful by chasing the dream. I am your host Shoman. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have among us someone who is a person with a very prolific personality a person who is a bs in civil engineering and mba and a doctorate in psychology and organizational behavior please welcome the ceo of post harvest technologies and author jim white jim welcome to my show my pleasure pleasure to be with you it's uh, what about 2:50 in the afternoon <laughs> Mine is 12:30 a.m. and we are on sixth. Oh, okay, well, I, I I messed that one up. But anyway, see if we can do better. It's a pleasure to be with you. <laughs> It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. So, Jim, uh, my audience wants to know more about you, about your journey in life, about your journey as an author, about your business strategic skills and all. To start with, let me start with the author part, which I have already told you. I want to give a stress. So, when uh, this bug of author means, when do you realize that you want to be an author? Yeah, uh, what a great question. I I thought that I would like to start writing books, and my first book was uh, called "What's My Purpose: A Journey of per, uh, per, per, Personal and Professional Growth," and I released that in 2006, and. Uh, At, at no time did I ever start out in my career thinking that I would be an author. Uh, it, it was it was not my my journey, but as uh, life started to occur, and uh, I said, you know, uh, I think I got something to say about this so, or this subject, and uh, so I released the first book, and like I said in 2006, what's my purpose? So, what inspired you to write a book? Anything specific? Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, I, I will answer it this way because I just had a birthday, and uh, it was number seventy-two, uh, going on twenty-eight. I tell people, I'm, you know, I'm seventy-two of age, but I'm going on twenty-eight. So don't get it confused here. After many years of uh, buying and selling companies uh, from around the world, I was just uh, introduced to such a wide culture. And uh, that experience was great. Uh, uh, sometimes Americans think that uh, they don't know much outside a 25-mile radius of, of where they live. And uh, my exposure to the international community was just rich. And uh, I, I, I felt that uh, uh, that if I could give some common uh, encouragement, I you often talk about inspiring motivation in others. Not just some, the entire world, and uh, and so I said, yeah, let me let me let me give a shot. Uh, let me see if uh, if I can say something and see if anybody would listen. And that's the reason I wrote the first book of What's My Purpose, and it was intended to intended to get people to do it in perspective as to what makes you get up in the morning, uh, and 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 for us to look at it as globally not just as one nation as a global and realizing that everybody on the globe in my opinion has has a right to financial security a spiritual journey uh, physical and mental health and so i wanted to uh, write a book and uh, and and, uh, uh, and and put it out there and that came some of my teaching and some of the companies that i started to uh, uh, to purchase and turn around With a common culture, if you will, trying to develop that common culture, uh, and to say we're all unique. Uh, so, uh, you know, you people jump out and go get a job, and they come into this uh, these jobs, and and they say, well, geez, what what are we doing here? What do we stand for? Uh, and I'm saying, ah, I think we could do a better job than that, and uh, it's got a common language here. It's okay to dream. It's okay to dream big. It's okay to uh, admit admit mistakes, and uh, so that's what uh, that's what uh, I, I decided to what what pushed me to write my first book. So, how many books you have written so far, and how many are there in pipeline? Uh, I have written uh, 
five books that I have released. Uh, I have written five. I have I have 47 uh, different uh, manuscripts that I've used in my training, my coaching, my consulting practice uh, that are internal training. And uh, they're all ready to be moved into the next stage. And that's over a 40 year uh, period of time. So I've released five, I released two in 2020 uh, so far. So, uh, so it's, it's been quite busy in 2020, even during a pandemic uh, to be able to release two books and uh, get them out there. As you have already mentioned, where do you get these ideas from? Is it from your practical journey or you visualize and then write? Oh, your questions are excellent. Uh, my journey. I have a, I have a very unique journey and I say that not disrespectful of anybody else's journey on, on the globe, uh, but uh, I am often, I refer to myself as kind of a throwaway kid. Uh, I was abandoned when I was five, uh, literally. And uh, I had uh, uh, two brothers, I mean, one brother and two sisters. And uh, at seven years old, I was the head of the family, and, <laughs> if you could believe such. And uh, so, um, it's just always been that experience and I, I think I'm one of the most blessed individuals on the globe. Uh, how does a five or seven year old know or have this survival instinct or gene? And uh, so I, I say it's been my journey, uh, that journey that has always pushed me. Uh, can I be better? Uh, uh, what can I do today that is better than yesterday? What can I do to influence? Uh, a, a group of people or a single, a single individual uh, to dig deep in their life to say uh, there's something better out there, whatever that better is, uh, and, and to be able to ask those tough questions. So I would say it was my journey and, uh, and then uh, that just inspiration. I'm just constantly uh, walking around with a notepad. I, I wake up at all hours of the night and I have this idea, but all of it is then, is, it, I can trace it back to my journey in, in my life, the, the, the good and the bad. It's all been built around that. Now a very controversial question I'm going to ask you. What is the most unethical practice that you have seen in the publishing industry? The most unethical practice that I've seen in the publishing industry. It is uh, early on in early years where you, you can't really do it that much today, but uh, plagiarism, uh, being able to take someone else's work or someone else's idea and call it your own. That really bothers me. Uh, and so uh, that's unethical. And then another thing that uh, just the author itself, so the, the nature of the publishing industry is, uh, authors that are planning to try to make a living writing books, it's very difficult to do that. Uh, it's very difficult to have a living wage uh, because there's so much money taken by the publishers. And so now, there are exceptions to these rules. Uh, you can be J.K. Rollins and uh, get lucky, or you could be, I mean, there's got a lot of other books out there, but just every day uh, for, for an author, uh, I, I think the publishers could be a little bit more forgiven and, and, and forget that this, uh, being an author is a, is, is a tough profession. Uh, it's, it's a profession of love to humanity and the subject matter. And uh, uh, I think we ought to figure out a way for they can retain more of their revenue that they may get uh, for their work. So those two things, uh, don't, don't call it your own if it's not yours. Don't take credit for someone else's idea and don't try to steal from me uh, and uh, try to uh, don't be so greedy uh, it's, it's enough for everybody to go around like what you hear so far make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now this podcast is made possible by listeners like you thank you for your support now back to the show 
So does writing energize or exhaust you? Man, I get such energy. Uh, when you get in that flow, uh, when you get in that flow, if you can just let yourself uh, go, uh, oftentimes I will just, I have this practice and I will just close my eyes and kind of go into a meditative state. Once I've got the framework of the book and I really got, what is the vision that I have for the book? And that's where a lot of authors get in, uh, get in trouble. What is it? What's the end game, right? What is it you want this book to look like? And then I have that end game. Uh, and then I work backwards from it and uh, say, this is what I want to accomplish. This is what I want that material to do. And then along the way, as you start the writing process, then you've got to be able to change as it, because uh, we're different on a daily basis energetically, right? We get up every day, we're different. When I look at that word really doesn't work today, it really doesn't express. And then I'm thinking, well, who's my audience? And uh, am I writing this book for just this small group of people? Or am I in the hopes that my book is going to influence millions of people around the world? Well, that's what I'm hoping. So it gives me a lot of energy. Uh, and, and sometimes it can also exhaust you if I can have both. Sometimes I'm trying to make a transition from one thought to the next. And, and it just doesn't come <laughs> for, <laughs> I said, what, what next, right? So it just doesn't come. So you, because then you're in the flow and then you get a little frustrated and then you get, a, so that's when you got to know to walk away from it and leave it alone. <laughs> come back to it the next day but uh, it's just an energy it's 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 a it's, uh, it's, it's an energy uh, rush for me what are the common traps you suggest for the aspiring writers not having enough bank enough money set aside in reserve to be able to allow your creativity to come to life and flourish and i think that's probably the biggest trap uh, because I, I hear people all the time, man, I wish I'd write a book. I, you know, I, I want to write this book. And I will often say, well, why don't you? I got a, I got a job. Uh, yeah, you got a job. Okay, so what you want to do, you got to decide what your purpose is and why you want to write this book. What is that dream? Why do you want to do it? Is it for your own ego? If, it's, if, if you're just writing books to satisfy your own ego, then I'd suggest you probably don't want to do that because you've got you you got to let your ego go. It's, it cannot be about you. It's just got to be a gift. You got to write a book as a gift to humanity, in my opinion, uh, especially uh, in the areas that I know that you're so passionate about following your dreams and what's it look like and living to your, your fullest extent. So, uh, so that trap is that uh, you, you you need you need to have the money to be able to set aside. I'm not talking about you got to be multi-millionaire or anything. I'm just talking about, give it, if you want to be an author, you got to give yourself, I say, at least a year. So if I was planning on doing that, I'd have enough money to pay for my meals or uh, pay my rent or house and have all that. And then, then I could take that stress away. Uh, and then I said, okay, I'm going to give this a year in order, in order to do it, right? So that's going to eliminate that stress on all the creativity. If, if you are trying to write and, uh, and and you got all this, how am I going to go buy a, a gallon of milk tomorrow? Well, you're not going to be a very good writer, right? So do you try to be original to deliver or you try to act according to what the readers want? Nah, I try to be original. I try to be original as I possibly can. In my story and oftentimes in my books of recent, I will lay some ground rules in, in my book to, to the readers and the ground rules would be, uh, this is my opinion. And if you don't, if you don't like my opinion, then you have the right to write your own book and then you can have your own, and you can have your own ground, <laughs> ground rules, if you will. So, uh, so I, I try to be original. Do you think someone could be writer if they don't feel emotions strongly? I think yes to that answer. And, and then I think we can define the types of writer. There's, there's types of authors. You could be a factual text, just content, uh, factual, say scientific data that you just know data and you have no emotional connection to it. Yes. I think if you, if you're writing 
uh, say, I'm going to use the term self-help or spiritual leadership or go set in a business like that. I think you got to have some emotion tied to it and supported by some sound fact as well, backed up by fact as well. What other authors are your friends and how do they help you to become a better writer? 2004-2005, I was fortunate enough to join an organization called Transformational Leadership Council uh, here in America. And that was started by Jack Canfield, uh, the uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul uh, authors, uh, Jack. And... uh, he started this organization strictly for authors and fault uh, uh, leaders. Uh, so uh, that group has helped me and so we've supported each other over the years. And when we were supporting, uh, when we were releasing our work, if you will. Uh, so uh, Jack and his work, uh, John Gray, uh, which was the author from uh, uh, Mars, men, from, uh, men and Women from Mars and Venus. Um, so, and then another one, um, Stephen M. R. Covey, which is the author's feet of trust. We've supported each other over, over the years and inspired me. Do you want each book to stand on its own or are you trying to build a body of work with connection between each book? Right now they're standing on their own. I have a vision that I want to write a series uh, about business that will reinforce each other. But right now, all of my books are designed to stand on their own. If you could tell your younger writing self anything, what would be it be? You know, I, I am drawn to, I'm going to use the word universe, spiritual journey, energy. I, I think uh, energy around the globe and uh, uh, in energetically how we connect uh, to one another and not even knowing, just like even the venue that you and I are having to pleasure sharing some time with uh, we've never met before but just being able to know that we have this this commonality and uh, uh, to try to encourage people to be more of a spiritual being if you will I'm not talking about any organized religion as you well know uh, so I, I would probably spend a little bit more time if I understand the question correctly more in that uh, spiritual energetic realm so how did publishing your first book change your process of writing it got easier to understand to the layout and the writing process where it really got where the second book was much easier is actually the release and the distribution of the book. That's what changed more than the writing process itself, uh, was just learning, uh, you know, the, how, how, how do you distribute the books? Uh, because I've self-published, I set up my own publishing company years ago. And because uh, uh, I wanted control of my work. We had some very well-known brands that really liked our work, but I was giving up too much control. And I didn't want to do that. Control in the content of, of, of the body of work. Uh, no, so I elected to set up my own publishing company and their own marketing company. I couldn't have done it. I couldn't have selected a more difficult path if I tried uh, to be able to. But I wanted to control all of all of my work, which I I published all of my books through my own publishing company. What was an early experience where you learned that language has power? I went to my first movie in 1960, and I never will, I never will forget it. And it was a movie called North to Alaska with John Wayne, this big old John Wayne. And I sat there as a young boy, and I was watching the power of that communication, not only in the uh, the power of the words excel, but the body language and how you how you walked and how you talk. So I, I learned that, man, if you can learn how to communicate and to be able to, and especially become a storyteller, right? To be able to speak, uh, paint a picture, uh, bring words to life and the words are so powerful. And then, and then again, they're so powerful and they can be powerful in a good way and they can be powerful in a very bad way, right? So uh, I, I would say 1960, uh, when I watched that movie, I realized, man, I, I've got to learn how to do this. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. 
This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show. How do you balance taking a demand from the reader if it is a negative feedback? I tell them thank you and I encourage it uh, because if the feedback is respectful, we all have our views and we should uh, we should respect those. If the feedback is mean-spirited, I would just hit the delete button or throw it away and not even read it. You you know, you can tell if word feedback is thoughtful and respectful or not. And I just had a situation not too long ago where I got some feedback on an op-ed that I wrote and uh, uh, was published in USA Today in, in America. And it was on my latest book, Broken America, which I just released September the 9th. And uh, this guy left me a voicemail, voice message, I should say. And I could tell he was an elderly gentleman, right? And uh, so I decided to call it. To his surprise, I actually returned his call, right? And uh, and and he was just giving me some feedback. And he, told, he shared with me that he was 88 years old and he was a Korean veteran and uh, how the words were so powerful. And, uh, and, and he wished that uh, he had the ability to write like that. This was all positive feedback, uh, is, of course. But I also had another one right after that. He said, I don't agree with anything that you wrote. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> and I said, so what do you suggest I do? <laughs> do I throw the book away <laughs> and start over? I said, I got an idea. Why don't you and I write a book together? Because I'd love to have your input, right? Or better still, uh, please, please send me, uh, send me your information. Uh, because I, I'd like to, I'd like to have a deeper understanding of your view. So I try to do that. Uh, I, I try to do that. Uh, we're not perfect. Uh, I don't profess to be uh, the best author in the world. I just profess to do the best I can for the subject matter and uh, put it forth. And hopefully it's going to uh, inspire one person in, in a way. And, and, and if it has a negative effect and it has such a strong emotion that this individual decides that they want to pick up or send a note or whatever they want to do to give that feedback, well, I inspired that too. So at least we got them off the sidelines. That makes sense, right? You have a marketing company. Uh, what are the steps you take to market your book? We do a, uh, in this day and age, we, we do a lot of social media. If we understand what all that means. We write a lot of articles and opinion pieces, op-eds, and I do a lot of radio. Uh, I mean, your ven- venue, this day and age. I just look forward to it when I saw the request to be on your podcast. I said, absolutely. I, I love that because... Uh, anything that we can do, any message, so podcast, radio, uh, any way that we can get it out just to start a message and of course the social media and the referrals and uh, just this, this, this all types of ways and networking through our, our friends and uh, referring each other, supporting each other. How many hours a day do you write? It comes and goes uh, when I'm actually in a project. The last project we released, like I said, is called Broken America, 10 Principles to, Re- uh, to, to Restore America. Obviously, we could talk about that for days and months and years, right? Uh, based on the current political environment in America today, in my opinion. And, uh, and when I was doing that, I would normally write from around 1 a.m. to 4 a.m. in the morning during the day. Uh, uh, it's very difficult to do it. Uh, we have all competing challenges. I, I, I still run 13 different companies now, so we, we have all of that. So I, I do it in the uh, quiet of the day. It's the most uh, quiet time and you know, I'm blessed. I, I'll come to my studio, uh, which we are, are today. It's quiet and it's, it's, got, uh, it's just a, it's, it's a sanctuary for me. And I'll just start to uh, start dictating, you know, or just start making notes. And uh, so, so I do it the wee hours in the morning, one to four. I'd say three to four hours a night, but it's not every night. It, it depends on depends on the rhythm. Uh, I wanted to release Broken America before the U.S. general election, uh, so that and I only decided to start writing that book in uh, April of this year. Uh, so it was a lot of research, uh, a lot. Uh, a, a lot of time put into that to be able to write it, publish it, release it in uh, six months or less. So. Do you read your book reviews? I, I do. I, I do read them. 
I wish more people would review my and other authors' books. They would do all of us a tremendous, uh, give us, that would be a tremendous gift uh, if, if people would take the time and go review our books. Uh, because writing, it's not easy sometimes, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a lonely journey. And uh, to be able to, is this thing going to come together? Is anybody going to care? Is anybody going to buy anything? I mean, all those uh, things that is normal, but you can't allow yourself to uh, be pulled in what I call that black hole uh, to have that self-doubt. So, yeah, I wish more people would do reviews. What one thing you give up to become a better writer? Sleep. <laughs> and pass on my responsibility for some of the companies that I'm that I'm running right now. Pass the uh, uh, baton to someone of a leader to be able to run some of my companies and give up more sleep. And then I'd be good. What are your favorite literary genres? You know, I'm having a hard time. I'm not sure I got a favorite, isn't that weird? I'm, 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 I'm not sure I got a favorite. I, uh, I like the classics, Dickens, if, uh, and, and one that, uh, that really is, uh, Mark Twain <laughs> is, is, is one that I, I just think I'm fascinated. I'm, I'm thinking your questions are excellent. So what is your favorite childhood book? I don't have one. I didn't have a childhood. I, I don't know what it's like for other than as a parent with my two boys, I certainly read books, but as a, I, I didn't, I didn't have, I didn't have one. I didn't experience that. What is the most uh, difficult part of this artistic process? Making a decision on the title and subtitle, making a decision on what the title of the book's going to be and the subtitle. A lot of folks don't understand that. And if I may, maybe I take just a second. Subtitle of the book is your promise to the readers. I'll put it that way. And you need to be able, in the days that we could go to a bookstore, right? And to be able to see a book of the title and uh, the subtitle and for it to it communicate to you. So that is probably, to me, it's the most difficult part is to be able to make that final decision on the title of the book and the subtitle of the book. Does your family support your career? I won't say it's a career, it's your hobby in writing. Absolutely, they support it. Again, I think I consider myself a very blessed individual. My two boys, they're grown and they're, they're my best friends. And uh, I have such respect for, for them. And they teach me so much and they just love it. My, uh, my youngest son uh, said to me recently, Dad, Thank you for writing these books because it's something that uh, my grandkids and, and their grandkids are going to have and they could understand that this is what their grandfather did many generations before. So thank you for doing that. Uh, so yeah, and, and, and my wife, oh my goodness, again, I'm a blessed, blessed man uh, to be able to have such a supportive wife, yes. If you had to do something differently as a child or a teenager to become a better writer as an adult, what you should do? Again, where I find that an excellent question, uh, my childhood was so different than most, but I would say that uh, read, 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 allow the imagination, just dream in the days that we could, uh, an environment was allowed and we didn't have a pandemic and we had all these different things. Uh, just open the mind and just read everything that you can read and watch the writing style of the author and uh, uh, and, and just become one with the words, if, if you will. Uh, so read, read, read. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show. Do you believe in writer's block? Absolutely. It's real. Uh, it's, it's definitely real. Uh, and especially real, if you're writing, I'm going to, I'll to use this as a term of forced writing, meaning you're under, if, if you're under a deadline and I have friends that say the soda writes to the book, say for the major imprint and you got a deadline and you're struggling with it, you can try so hard. It's the old thing. 
you could try so hard that you push things away. Does that make sense? You could, so you can become absolutely blocked in your thought process. It's real. And uh, you, you got to recognize that. Uh, and everybody's different, you know, how they handle that. How I handle it is when I recognize that's occurring, I'll just put it, put it down and walk away. Take a walk or whatever your favorite activity is. And also find that exercise. Exercise is a is, is, is a great thing to be able to stay healthy and uh, get the adrenaline moving and the in, in, in endorphins. Uh, so yes, it's a real deal. Now let us come back to the other part of yours, which you are doing so far. That is what I have understood that throughout your career, you had bought and expanded and sold 23 companies operating in 44 countries. Throw some light on this part of your journey. Yeah, that part of my journey uh, started um, started in 1980. Actually, uh, I I was in the corporate world for for a while, and uh, I left the corporate world. And uh, as as a result of a failed initiative with one of my employers, and I didn't like it, and so I walked away from a very promising career and. Uh, found myself uh, without a job, and uh, uh, so I had to I had to start doing something. So I become pretty good at understanding uh, World Bank finance, project financing, working around the world, and uh, so I started doing projects in third world countries. I've done a lot of work in uh, Africa. I mean, some very challenging parts of the world. And uh, it was like, go to the highest risk for the highest reward. That's exactly what I did. And uh, I started buying and selling companies, from small. And uh, I realized that I love business. It was, I'm not gonna say it's easy, but it was natural to me. I understand uh, finance and human behavior. And uh, I, I developed a recipe, if you will, how to acquire these companies and turn them around and make them successful. Uh, so yes, uh, 23 different companies in a 10 year period of time. Qu quite a journey and the effort was to buy one and improve it and sell it and get enough money to do the next one. So that's what it was. So that's exactly what it did. The last one I bought, significance was in Belgium and uh, uh, we made manufactured pumps for oil and gas industry. It had 33% uh, of the OPEC market, the Middle East market. I, I take that company from zero to significant numbers and sold it in 1991. And uh, that's when I started uh, a consulting practice. What did we do was leadership development. We worked with companies, troubled companies, if you will, turnaround companies. Uh, we would often be hired to come in and uh, turn, look under every rock and what are we going to do to fix it? We started working with different private equity groups from around the world. Uh, those private equity groups, if you're going to make an acquisition, uh, well, you're, you're, we became their insurance policies often said, meaning that their leadership team, we, I developed a one-year leadership program, most intense thing that you will ever go through in your life, quite frankly. And uh, we'd put people through that to determine they had the ability to lead and develop these companies. So we, we, we did a lot of that as well. And that's where a lot of my material was talking about my author. That's where a lot of my material came from that I was used in the, when I was buying my companies and turning them around and in my consulting practice. And that's, that's actually what prompted my first book, What's My Purpose? Because I created this process called Circle Success. And that process had all of these things, uh, vision for the company, the mission, the values, uh, personal growth, communication, planning, staffing, organization, controlling and leadership, all the elements that you need to put together in order to become very successful. And that personal growth side, what I found most of the companies I worked with, most people was miserable. They showed up to work, they didn't want to be at work and they were miserable. And that's when I started talking, oh geez, are you living your purpose? I don't know. Uh, I think it would be a pretty good concept if you could uh, kind of enjoy what you're doing. Business turned around strategies. What is that? Throw some light on that. I can throw some light and typically it goes this way. If a business is in trouble, some market condition has occurred to create a deterioration in their revenue stream. I say market condition. Or another factor it could happen is the leadership itself of that particular company. Another thing can happen would be 
uh, let's say it's a large family owned business, right? That maybe be third or fourth generation, uh, then greed kicks in. So those are some lights that could uh, happen. Then we could have a political event that could upend the enterprises. So any of those events to, could occur. And what we, we developed a replication. It's all about replication and trust uh, that uh, we could come in it kind of stabilize the ship, if you will. I'll use that as a metaphor. It kind of stabilize it, calm everything down, uh, set back, take a look, and do, do a critical assessment, a very truthful tr critical assessment that if this company could be saved or it couldn't be saved, but at the same time with our eyes on the, on the shareholders, if you will, or the stakeholders, and at the same time making sure that we're looking at all of the employees and the vendors and the down, down supply chain, if you will, it all has a ripple effect. So that turnaround uh, practice is a very significant, very dear to my heart. I've been blessed to go into some very challenging organizations and be able to stabilize them turn them around and get them going forth in, the, you know, in, in a positive way. A lot of work, it's a lot of work. When you accept one of those engagements, the clock is really ticking, meaning when you come in, you come in the front door, people are in trouble or, I, or we wouldn't be there. I mean, it's like we laid out. So literally I lay out, sometimes you got days and you got weeks to be able to make some decisions. Normally these companies get so far in trouble they probably can have a lot of debt that's due, right? They have used this favorite, favorite thing called denial. They've been in denial for so long and not to address the problem. And we've got to come in and make some recommendations to all the stakeholders of what to do. This brings to the next questions. You are actually involved yourself in so many companies. And uh, again, you are into writing process also. How do you manage your time? I use the following technique. I break my day down into two hour blocks. I have, we well, we all have high energy and low energy times of the day. And we got to determine what that biorhythm is. And uh, this may be very simple to a lot of folks. So what I do, I will, before I retire for the night, I will write down the four most vital things that I need to get done tomorrow and my highest energy peak times, and I'll actually go get that done. And then I have the rest of my day to deal with what we call stuff, but I'm getting those four vital things. And that's the key that you got, what are those four most critical things or vital things that I need to get done tomorrow that's gonna move me forward to the goal that I've set, where that's right, a chapter, or where that's doing this other thing, whatever. And you and you have to be really disciplined at that. Your audience has heard it for years. Time is the most precious asset that any of us have, in my opinion. You've got to be disciplined uh, as to what you're gonna do and accomplish and check it out and do it. Who and why has inspired or continuously inspiring you now? My two boys and my wife and you, thousands of other people like you that's absolutely serious about the human behavior and and people seeing their uh, best being the best them that they can be and i have a i have other people on the on a daily basis some of my employees my vendors i can just name different celebrities or politicians but I, unfortunately i can't point to any politicians in america today that i say that inspires me to do anything quite frankly <laughs> so <laughs> i don't want to get in some trouble but <laughs> nobody's inspired me that much right at the moment like what you hear so far make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now this podcast is made possible by listeners like you Thank you for your support. Now back to the show. So how you have used your success to make this world a better place to live? Every decision that I make in business, I have I weigh a couple of things. Not only is it a solid business decision for the stakeholder, but what social impact am I gonna be able to make in the community? I know 
I can say that with confidence and I can say it with pride that we have made a difference in a lot of people's lives in a very positive way around the globe. We support a lot of a lot of different initiatives. Uh, I get notes from people, uh, especially that have been in our consulting practice over the years. I get notes from people 20 years later said, uh, I remember this one thing that you gave me in our session and it changed my life forever. Uh, I get those notes. I was doing, in 2008, I was doing a 12-week teleclass on what's my purpose. And I had, uh, I think, 2,200 students enrolled. We, uh, we were on the phone. I had people that actually were calling in on this class uh, that said they were in a bunker, and a lot of them were in Iran and Iraq, and they were saying, if we got caught doing this, we could lose our life, right? And and, and I never have forgotten that. I, I've had people from Benedict from all walks of life around the world, and I'll just, how did you find this? How did you get here? And the courage that it, it, that it took, uh, they don't know me, we don't know each other, but that energetic, uh, that energetic flow uh, to be able to help him. So I, I, I think I am, I have made a huge impact, but you know something? I'm not through. I want to do more. I get up every day and I, I, I'm a little frustrated sometimes because I feel like I'm not doing enough uh, or fast enough or not making it happen. I am, I am, I am extremely frustrated over this COVID-19 uh, globally that, you know, and I'm not trying to second yes, but I don't think we've done as good a job, we as a globe, as we probably could have done. I think people's lives have been lost unnecessarily, unfortunately. Uh, so I, I want to do more. Hope, hope that makes sense. What one thing you wish you had known when you began your career? Not everybody was out for the best intention of human of mankind. Uh, I was a little naive to a degree. I was in the army. I, I I was in the Vietnam era. I was uh, you know a combat veteran. Uh, so I you know I, I I've been around. But uh, the biggest thing is that uh, I always saw when people shook my hand totally and gave me their word that I could trust it. Uh, that's not always the case. So uh, I, I've trusted people sometimes when I shouldn't have. So you're a veteran. Throw some light on that part also. Yeah, I'm Army veteran, uh, Vietnam. I was in Vietnam's uh, 68, uh, two tours. Uh, I was an Army Ranger. I credit the, my military training as my foundation, my education, uh, the education that I was able to receive as a result of my military service. I think it's the best thing that ever happened to me, uh, being a kid from what we call in, in rural poverty to beyond, beyond description. And, uh, and, and I remember the first day in our basic training in a, in a place in called Fort Jackson, South Carolina. And uh, I remember everybody was in line. We went through this line and then we came out this other door and I looked around and I said, everybody looked the same. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked around, I said, I got a level playing field in. I've got, we got people from all walks of life. But we all have the same haircut and we got the same clothes on, right? It's uh, man, I can go places here, right? So, uh, so that was one of those inspirations, and I just, I just excelled. And uh, you know, I unfortunately, I, I got, I got injured, and uh, I'm one of the lucky ones. Uh, but uh, my injury uh, stopped what I thought would have been a career. I was thinking at that time, but I was probably at the military as a career. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Like I said, I did two tours and uh, uh, as uh, an army ranger in Vietnam. Have you been to any battlefield or something like that? Yes. Uh, I've done a lot of this in the U.S. of Civil War uh, battlefields, uh, Battle of the Bulge, uh, and uh, but primarily the Civil War. Uh, in, in the uh, different different battlefields. Yeah, I, I find that very fascinating uh, within our own country, our, our fellow citizens uh, fighting each other. And uh, so, yes, and, and to the Battle of the Bulge. So what is your biggest failure and what did you learn from that? Oh, my biggest failure, I've, I've had many of them in business. And 
I've I've had businesses that uh, I should have probably let go of sooner than I did. I've had business partners uh, that I shouldn't have had during the '80s uh, in, in in America. We had the real estate, and uh, we've done a lot of real estate development. And uh, I had a lot of business partners who'd rather say, "Hey, I'm gone. I'm out of here. It's just like the you know, just let the banks take it back, or uh, I'm not going to do it." I couldn't do that. Uh, so I probably should have on occasion, but I stood there and for years uh, worked worked out the loans and paid everything back. I thought it was the right thing to do on this, and so I learned a lot from uh, selecting my business partners. What advice would you like to give to someone who wants to pursue a career similar to that of yours? Have a lot of integrity. Uh, be prepared for basically no life, if you will. <laughs> It's 24/7, and uh, realize that sometimes you're standing there by yourself. It's lonely sometimes, like very lonely. The decisions you got to make, uh, and uh, vice is, you know, you just got to always have that litmus test: is it the right thing to do? What are the best resources that helped you along the way? Best resources to help me along the way is my my ability for curiosity and uh, just being curious and the ability to study and the ability to like I said from the curiosity stand ask questions just read I in the days that we had the beautiful libraries that we could go in and study and like that I, I used to spend all of my waking hours on weekends just going up and down and grabbing a book and doing and studying and understanding and understanding uh, other cultures. Right, uh, that was very interesting to me. Understanding uh, other people. What is the common myth about your profession, and how do you want to debunk that? I'm going to have to go with the, you know the most recent industry that I'm in right now. Today is comment that we will never recover from the pandemic that we're in, from the economic. And when you start looking at, when you start thinking, you can't. It becomes true. Not a total myth, but that's the thing that really resonates with me right now is to make sure that if you say you can't, you can't. If you believe it, you can't. If you keep telling yourself you can't, and don't have a common myth that uh, that the government, a lot of a lot of people these days think the government's going to solve all of our problems, and that's not going to happen. If you could step into my shoes, what would you have asked yourself that I haven't? What do I want to achieve before I depart this body? That's probably what I I, I would ask, and uh, maybe I'll give a stab at answering it for the time we have left. What I want to achieve in in America to realize that we are a nation of immigrants, and everybody is should have a right to be treated equally, and at the same time around the globe. Realize that we have more in common than we don't, and trying to get all of our leaders to come uh, come around and say, "This is what we have in common," and it's it's all have a conversation. And I know for a lot of people uh, watching this or listening, think that's very naive, but I just believe that we can talk just like you and I talk. Just talk honestly, and uh, and and that's what that's what I would do. Where my listeners can connect you? AuthorJimWhite.com. Any message for my listeners? Thank you for uh, viewing. Thank you for what you do. Uh, keep up the great work, and uh, just realize that uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed. And uh, keep the faith and follow that dream, and whatever it is, just follow that dream. Thank you, Jim. It was an absolute honor to have you as a guest in my show. Thank you, and uh, keep up the great work. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this week. Don't forget to subscribe us on any platform, be it Anchor.fm, Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Geo Seven, Castbox, etc. Also, tell your friend, family members, and enemies about the show. Be sure to tune in next week for another new episode. Myself, Shoman Sengupta, signing off. Not before saying, all dreams can come true, provided you have the courage to pursue them. I would like to thank my listeners for listening to my podcast 
and i'm also recommending the listeners to listen to the podcast of my fellow podcaster nafisa nazni the name of our podcast is basics to bloom this podcast will enlighten you to look at things in a different way and will guide you to transform yourself to the better version for basics to bloom her podcast is available in all major platforms be it apple spotify google and obviously anchor.fm do remember to check her out the name of her podcast is basics to bloom thank you hello i'm luato missing from nigeria and i listen to your podcast living life to the fullest it's a great one and awesome one at that living life to the fullest having to motivate yourself from within no one can push you to success unless you decide to be successful yourself having to improve yourself daily and make sure your talent or whatever you have it's uh, you use it to improve the life of others not only yourself you had value to yourself and make sure adding value to others your podcast is a really great one and i love it thank you Hello, I'm Oluwa Tominsin from Nigeria and I listen to your podcast and it's great and wow. My girl is trying to talk about, okay, she tried to express her feelings through writing. And I think one thing I learned from this um, podcast, she tried to express her feelings through writing, irrespective of how you go away or go away from whatever you love or you take a break from whatever you love doing, just like she took a break from writing and she came back writing it because a lot of people are out there waiting for her to write something and reaching out to thousands of people i it's kind of a wonderful thing and i really enjoyed it so thank you i enjoyed your podcast wow that's nice i love your episode uh, talks about dreams and ambition then you must actually pursue your dreams while pursuing your dreams you actually act to create memories in the heart of those loved ones and those whosoever you meet so, so that your track record can be left behind if you're no more alive so keep pushing your dream don't keep dreaming and don't and you don't take actions about what you're dreaming you dream and take actions and travel around the world it's your choice it's a nice one i love it lovely episode everything is so much magical still rooted to reality i really love uh, this episode of yours